The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Tribune Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all, and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms blog, here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey everybody, it's On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka, and we are so glad you are back for another week. Natasha Funderburk is on the podcast today, and uh, I needed a lot of lines to describe all of the things you do, girl. Writer, creator, crossfitter, runner, business owner, influencer. I stole this from your website. I wear a lot of hats, but luckily I love fashion. And you love fashion so much, you have an online boutique, Harbor and Sky. We're going to talk about that. Wife to Chad, mom to Cooper, who just started the second grade. Do you sleep ever at all? Only for like five minutes at a time. I believe it. And I yet can. you still look great. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for having me or coming on my podcast. I guess I'm having you. Yeah. I'm having you. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Okay. So what, did, um, what were you up to today before you came in? Um, trying to rehearse lines in my head so I don't come on here and make a fool of myself. Okay, so you are the most confident person on Instagram, and you talk about personal success and happiness. Um, so why does the podcast make you nervous? Well, thank you, first of all, for saying that. I appreciate that, and if that's what I'm putting out there, then I'm doing that's something That's your vibe, right. yes. I have the worst anxiety of anyone I've ever met in my life, so I can take the smallest situation and work up 50 of like the worst-case scenarios in my head until I'm just on the floor passed out. So what was the worst-case scenario of coming in here and doing this podcast? Well, I'm afraid to say it, because what if it happens? I think you should just put it out there in the universe and then it won't. Okay. Well, for starters, I'm afraid that I'm going to forget how to hold a conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm going to go to take a drink of my water and knock it over all of this beautiful equipment you have here. And then I've okay. ruined your podcast for future episodes. Well, and this fancy Mac computer exactly. too. That would be a huge problem. Exactly. Okay. What else terrible things could happen? Um, you know, I could just probably like combust and then there's no more me and then <laughs> Coop's going to be like, what happened to my mom? So there'd be a lot of explaining to do for that. But you really go to dark, I dark do, places. I do. And I always teach everybody like you are capable of so many things. But then when it comes to myself, I'm like, oh, I just don't know about this. Why do you think that is? I don't know, honestly. Um, you know, I grew up as an only child, so I always kind of make the joke that that like ruined me for <laughs> social interaction and everything moving forward. Um, but I don't know. I think it's just part of my makeup. It's just who I am. Well, let's let's just shake it off. Let's get into this podcast the way that we always do. We're going to do our um, wins and losses from the week. So last week we started calling it the time we took it to a mother level. Okay, so this is your win for the week. Okay. Shoot. Okay, so here's another thing I've had horrible anxiety about because I know you do this. Yeah. And, you know, 
I'm a really great mom sometimes, and then I fail almost every single day in some aspect. Then you're in the right company. Well, thank you. But this week, honestly, I've just been very average in everything I've done. So I sat down with my son last night. He's seven. And I said, Coop, if you were to tell me one thing I did really well this week as your mom and one thing that I failed in, what would they be? Oh, okay. And hand to God, this is what he said. He said, Mom, you win every day because you're so nice and you're so fun and I love being around you. Oh my gosh, that is a win. How is that average? And I only had to pay him like $5 to say that. So. Oh, sweet Cooper. Oh, I know, I know. And for a fail, um, oh wait, are we on that on Yeah, go ahead. All Keep right, it rolling. For it. So for my fail, I mean... I thought about talking about the time when he was three, even though it wasn't this week, when he and the dog both ran away and went in opposite directions in our neighborhood. Oh my gosh. But I'm still traumatized from that. Seriously. So, yeah, it happened. Chad was out of town and I was home by myself and I don't even remember how they both got out the front door, but Coop thought it would be funny to take off one way <gasps> and Gracie, our dog, thought it would be hysterical to go in the other direction. And here I am barefoot running down my street crying and screaming after him to please not get hit by a car. And it was the worst experience ever. Oh my gosh. How, how did it resolve? Um, he finally came back and then we had to go inside and get Cheetos and bribe our dog to come back inside. Oh my so gosh. all was well. But that didn't happen this week, so that doesn't count. So we erase it from the record. That honestly makes me have anxiety. Like thinking about, okay, which which direction do I go first? Obviously go for the kid first, but still that leaves a huge problem of getting the dog home. Yeah, yeah and she <laughs> thought it was just like the funnest thing ever. She's wiggling her tail and running around like crazy. And I'm like, this is not going to end well. Oh my gosh. Well, you survived. I did. Lost kids and lost dogs have been a theme of the wins and losses. <laughs> It's not cool. It's not cool at all. Okay, so um, I guess this is loosely a win, but I'm going to say it anyway because it really, I, 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 I'm surprised by my reaction to it. So the other day, um, my co-anchor Jim and I went to Los Agaves for dinner, and I was walking up to the restaurant, and there's a little, you know, outdoor eating area, and I was walking up to it, and um, this beautiful woman said to me, Denise, hi. And I looked at her and I knew I knew her, but I couldn't figure out why. And she said, do you remember my name? And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I know I know your face. Help me. And she said, it's Mary. And I, this feeling came over my body. Mary was there the day that Abram was born. She was the nurse in the hospital. And um, I haven't seen her since he was born. And the reason she had such a big impact for me is that when Abram was born, I, um, I pushed for four hours, he wasn't coming out, and I ended up having to have a C-section. But on top of that, in the delivery room, they had to um, put me out completely. So not just like the local, but I was completely unconscious out. So I was not conscious for when he was born. And I don't remember the first eight hours of his life, give or take, because um, I was, you know, coming out of this anesthesia. And Mary is the one who took all the photos uh -huh. and took all these videos and guided my husband through this because he was doing it alone and he was doing it with his wife unconscious on the table. So he was terrified through the whole thing. And so when I finally, you know, he, we'd still talk about the story all the time because I feel like I don't, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there for it. So he fills in the details for me all the time. And, and we always talk about what Mary did. Mm -hmm. And so after, 
after he was born, I sent her, you know, a couple photos of Abram and, you know, wrote her a thank you card. And I just, I never saw her again. And so when she said, it's me, it's Mary, I like this feeling came over my body and all, like all the memories of that day came back. And um, I talked to her briefly and then I went inside the restaurant and I, I couldn't even sit down because I was like, I, I need to go hug her. I need to go talk to her. Okay. And so um, I went um, back outside to where she was sitting and I said, I'm sorry, Mary, I'm going to interrupt you while you're eating. And I, I, I have to hug you. I have to like all these feelings of the day he was born just came back. And I just wanted to tell her thank you again because she she gave me the memory of something I didn't have. Oh, and it was... It was it, it was just so crazy because I wasn't expecting, you know, a random dinner run at Los Agaves to turn into this like emotional experience. So, Mary, if you're listening, thank you so much. Those um those pictures are so so cherished and I I would have nothing if I mean I'd have a baby, but I would have nothing if she hadn't done that for me. So, Aww, that was really really I very love cool. That. So that, I'm going to say, was a win for the week. Absolutely. Okay, so here's my fail. Um, I want desperately to be the kind of person whose um, bedroom looks like a hotel, and the sheets are white, and the pillows are fluffy, and everything is just so. I'm not that person, Natasha, and I'll tell you why. It's not because of me. It's because I married a sporadic, spontaneous bleeder. Do you know what, what I'm talking about? I don't think I do. I put a fresh white pillowcase on my husband's pillow last night. And this morning, it has random blood on it. I feel like that's a dude thing, where they randomly bleed. I don't know, like, uh, am I totally nutso? I don't think I've ever noticed <laughs> blood on my husband's pillow in the morning, but I'm going to start but like, paying attention But, like, now. from, like, from like, a, like, a scab on the face or, yeah. like, a, you know, it's not like, oh, he must have, like, gushed, like, a, like, a bloody nose in the night. It's you just, just like... mad at him and, like, whack him or something? Yeah, no, it's definitely not, like, crime scene level blood, but, like, but I swear, within the first 24 hours, he gets blood on the stupid pillowcase. So that's why we can't have nice things because he's a bleeder. Can someone, I'm hoping that someone who listens to this can totally identify with me because that's why we can't have white pillowcases. See, I feel you on that. (laughs) I also (laughs) desperately want our bedroom to look like a hotel. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have like the white headboard and the white Mm, sheets and have everything be clean and crisp and white. But see, I'm the problem because I use self tanner (gasps) and I spray tan. Oh. And so it changes your sheets if you're not careful, especially if you're like me and you put it on right before bed or you get it done in the evening and you shower the next morning, you wake up to orange sheets and it just looks disgusting. And so if you keep doing that over time yes. and you wash your sheets, they fade into this awful gross color where you just look like you don't shower in general. And so we will never have that either. Well, I'm sorry. I, I mourn for the loss of our lack of hotel crispness. Yeah, it's sad. This is Taylor Swift's The Man, and I really feel like a radio DJ now. This song is unbelievable. Can we agree, Natasha? I am obsessed with this song. It's so... I literally... So this is Taylor Swift's new album. It just came out. And what, last week? 
Friday. Friday. Okay. So um, I'm just listening to it while I'm, you know, folding laundry or something. And I literally stopped dead in my tracks in my closet as I heard some of the lyrics of this song. And so I want to talk about it. So hopefully you've heard the song. Um, why do you think you like it so much? Well, I just think it gets so honest. Like yeah. when I first heard it, I kind of stopped like you did. And I thought, oh, she's going there. All <laughs> right. I kind of rolled up my <laughs> sleeves. I'm like, let's go there then. Like, yes. let's talk about this. And it's just so true. And, you know, it pertains so much to what so many of us as women experience mm -hmm. every day that men don't even think about. No. And, and I don't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that all men are bad or all men don't get it. But, you know, even conversations that like my husband and I have about certain things, like, so for instance, he's a runner and I'm trying to be a runner, which I'm sure you will probably ask me about at some point. Yes. Um, but even in our conversations about like running paths, he'll ask me, you know, well, I'm going to go run this path. Are you going to run it later? No, I'm not. And my reason is because I don't feel safe there because I'm a woman. Yeah. And he's like, I've never thought of that. And I'm like, I think about it every time I go somewhere. Yeah. So I just, for this song to talk about all the different, you know, avenues of that that she's mentioning, I just, I think good for her. So um, I actually found a Forbes article and the headline is why the man is the most important song Taylor Swift has ever written. I'm going to read you a portion of this article that I really liked. Um, so the article quotes um, some of her lyrics. It says, I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I'd get there quicker if I was a man. Swift sings in the catchy chorus, find me a professional woman who hasn't voiced that thought and I'll give you a dollar. Actually, I'll give you a dollar if you're a man. If you're a woman, I'll give you 79 cents, since that's what you're likely to earn for every dollar the man working next to you is getting. Swift's famously sharp lyrics don't stop there. The second verse says, they'd say I'd hustled, put in the work. They wouldn't shake their heads and question how much of this I deserve. What I was wearing, if I was rude, could all be separated from my good ideas and power moves. I mean, she's a masterful songwriter. She is. I mean... I know people love to hate Taylor Swift and love to make fun of Taylor Swift, but she, I mean, she's a master when it comes to writing songs. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I think the parts that really stand out to me the most are the, the lines that talk about how it's okay to be angry if you're a man. It's okay to be, quote unquote, rude mm -hmm. if you're a man. Um, those, those I feel like have come up in my personal life before where where a man can react in one way about something that happens. And if I react in the same way, then it's an issue of being dramatic mm -hmm. and um, overreacting and unprofessional even. Emotional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, any other favorites on that album so oh, far? I love all of them. All uh, of them. Cruel Summer is probably my number one favorite okay. right now. I'm listening to it on repeat. And lover. I just think it's so sweet. Yes, I agree. So normally we do kind of like a moms in the headlines, but today we're doing Taylor Swift in the headlines. So do your thing, girl. All right. Now we're going to get into you. We're going to talk about some Natasha. So let's talk, first of all, about what you're wearing. Are you wearing some Harper and Sky today? 
I am wearing Harper and Sky. Everything except the jacket. Okay. The jacket's from Target, my other favorite, my other love. <laughs> so tell people what Harper and Sky is exactly. Sure. So Harper and Sky, we've been around about three years now. Uh, we started as an online boutique uh, selling women's clothing. We ship worldwide. Uh, within this last year, we made the switch to active wear. So um, the response was just incredible. We kind of trialed it to see if that's what we wanted to do. And we've actually switched over 100% to just active wear for women online. Interesting. So how would you define your style of activewear? Um, it's trendy meets functional. So I work out probably five, six times a week and I love CrossFit. I love, well, I don't really love running, but I run. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. Um, and so I have learned that I want to look good while I'm working out, but I also don't want to have to worry about my pants falling down or my underwear showing or, you know, is it comfortable? Is it going to work for what I'm doing? So we try to find a good mix of both of those things. So what, um, what's next on the docket? So do you do like a fall release of items or like how do, how do things come up on your website? Yeah, so we usually have new arrivals once a month. Uh, the first of the month is when we release everything. But right now we are working on something really exciting. Um, we have a team that we've started working with to fully process 100% of our own designs. Um, we've been doing that a little bit off and on throughout the year mixed with some other things we found. But our spring line will be 100% our designs, our color concepts. We'll have extended sizing options for women. Um, and then looking at potentially adding a men's line next year as well. That's incredible. Yeah. And you're trying to tell me you have crippling anxiety. I do. <laughs> it's really bad. Well, that's incredible. So I needed to clearly add designer to the long list of job titles that we talked about earlier. So where are you at in the design process right now? Um, we have approved the final design board um, and all of the color concepts. So we are just waiting for sample pieces to come in. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So um, you, you say that you're wearing active wear right now, but is that the secret that you don't look like you're in active wear when you're just out and about recording a podcast? Well, yeah, I actually put on makeup today for you, for all of the people <laughs> who won't see us, but just in case, that's hey, what it is. I get it. I get it. Um, you, when I scan through your Instagram, I notice a couple of things. You work out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you work out on vacation. I do. And you work out with your family a lot. Yes. So that's obviously like a hallmark of who you are as a family. Yeah, I would say so. You don't love running though? I don't. Okay, but you ran like eight miles the other day. Yeah. Talk to me about your journey as a runner. So you, you're, kind of, you're kind of making yourself like to run. And it's, it sounds like it's a mental game every single time. Oh, it is. Because let's be honest, running is absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. It really is. I really hate to run. It's awful. So you hate to run. Running is the worst. We can all agree on that. So why, like, why do it? Why put your shoes on? What, what for? Well, it started off, my husband is a marathon runner and he's just so darn fast and he's good at it. And it kind of makes me so annoyed with him. <laughs> like I'm part happy for him. And then part of me is like, dude, you suck. Why aren't you like the rest of us who hate running? Right. So I wanted to take up running partly because I wanted to figure out why he loves it so much and then kind of, you know, be a good wife and have something that we could do together, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but you know, another part of it was just running for me my whole life was something I could not do. Okay. I couldn't run down the block without like doubling over on the sidewalk thinking I was going to die. And I just thought I will never be a runner. Um, but part of, you know, where I've come from in my fitness journey was learning to appreciate my body and what it was capable of. And so proving to myself that this was something that I could do if I tried and then watching myself kind of overcome some of these barriers with running has just really empowered me to keep going. Okay. So, I mean, when you started working out, was, did you choose running first or what was the first thing you decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get active with this? So working out was really difficult for me at first. Okay. Um, I was never really active growing up. Um, my mom put me in soccer when I was seven, probably six or seven, because she promised me that I would get a Debbie Gibson jersey if I joined <laughs> the soccer team. Oh Which, by the way, mom, I'm still waiting on that jersey. She I never didn't got even it. give it to you? Well, she told me that the team would have them. Oh my totally gosh. lie. Total trying, mom lie. Yeah, I know. Trying to get me to be active. So I showed up the first day, didn't get my Debbie Gibson jersey, cried the whole way home and said, mom, I'm not going back. So that's kind of the story of my life. I was always so shy and I didn't think that I was very active. So like, why pursue it? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until actually I was about 19 years old um, and I actually was sexually assaulted. And it's not something that I talk about very often. Um, but now as you know, I'm this big 34 year old woman, I can look back with like a different viewpoint mm -hmm. and kind of see how I handled the situation. And what happened was I ended up turning to food at that time as my comfort instead of processing what I had been through. And so I ended up gaining a lot of weight because ice cream made me feel better and French fries made me feel better. And it was easier to drown myself in something that made me feel better than really deal with what had happened. And so, um, you know, it wasn't until a few years later, I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship and I recognized that I was turning to those things again. And I thought, I'm what, 21, 22 years old, like I can't do this. So at the time I lived in an apartment complex, I would walk every day across to the other side of the complex and go to the gym there. And I would get on the elliptical. And in the beginning, I could only do about five minutes at a time before I was falling off the thing, like dead and passed out. So I would do my five minutes, I would walk back to my apartment. And I did that every day until I could build up to 10 minutes, until I could build up to 15 and 20. And then before I knew what I was doing, an hour at a time. And so that's kind of how I started. And, you know, over the course of, you know, 10, 12, 15 years now, I've kind of seen myself taking on this fitness as a way of healing through movement for me because I was so ashamed of my body for so many years. Now I see what it's capable of. I kind of want to keep going and see what else I can do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Can we go back to um, what happened when you were 19? Mm -hmm. Is this something that you, um, did you tell anyone about it or was this a secret that you kept? I didn't tell anybody until probably a couple years ago. Really? And my husband was the first person I told. Really? Yeah. Why do you think you kept it? I don't know. I think, honestly, I didn't fully comprehend everything that happened. I blamed myself for a lot of it for a very long time and kind of gave this other person the excuse of, well, it was my fault because I was in that situation. I shouldn't have been there. You know, I should have been the one to walk away, you know, earlier in the evening. And, you know, that's not true. Mm -hmm. I can still have the regrets of where I was and the people I was hanging out with, but none of it was my fault. 
and it just took me a really long time to realize that. So, um, in, in the healing process, did anyone, you know, you said you turned to food and sounds like you maybe gained weight and did anyone notice anything or say anything to you or how were you able to, um, to just forge on silently that way? You know, my family every now and then would make comments about maybe I needed to eat a little healthier or maybe I needed to exercise. But, you know, growing up, I always had this probably terrible relationship with food. You know, I, I never really made great choices with any of that. So I don't think it was too out of the ordinary for this to happen. You know, I was in college. It's normal for people to gain weight in college, too. I mm -hmm. was working and going to school, and that's about it. So... I don't know. So all this time passed, what made you finally say something to your husband? I realized that a part of why I wasn't saying anything now was because I was so worried that my family would be upset or that my friends would be upset, you know, that I had disappointed them by not telling them, that I had disappointed them by letting it happen. And from a mom's view, you know, I think when we look at our children, I'd be devastated if something happened to Cooper and I couldn't have prevented it. You know, so I didn't want my mom to feel that. But then I also realized, you know what, guys, like, this is my story. I'm the one that's had to deal with it for all these years. And so I kind of had to tell myself, it doesn't matter if they're upset because it's me. You know, I'm fine. I need to allow myself to heal. And then I also need to be there as a resource for other people. I don't need to broadcast it to the world, even though I am right now. <laughs> I don't need to tell everybody I meet. But I need to be there in case there's someone going through something similar that they can look to me and know that there's light at the end of the tunnel for them, too. Well, and I imagine the reaction was nothing like you feared it would be. No, no one was disappointed in you or no. angry with you. Not at all. Not at all. How do you think, um, I guess, uh, how would you gauge where you're at with it at this point? Does it still, does it still haunt you? You know, there are some days where I forget it happened. And then there are other days where I'm just angry that it happened. Um, but I've really, I've really looked at it internally. And I, I honestly think that it's my reason why for why I do a lot of the things that I do. Because for so long, I was letting my circumstances determine my worth. And now that I can see that, you know, I want nothing more than to empower other women and be there as a role model in some kind of way and a support system and show people that it doesn't matter what you've gone through or what's happened to you. You are capable of so much more. You just have to put, for, put forth that foot and make mm -hmm. that first effort and you can do so many things. And that has really helped me kind of get to where I am today. Did the Me Too movement bring up a lot of raw feelings for oh, you? Yes, it did. Because no matter where I turned, there was another story, another woman. Um, but it also kind of gave me like the strength and the courage to say, you know what, if she can tell her story, I can tell mine. Like mm -hmm. She's not alone. I'm right here with her. So um, take me back to when you, when you talked to your husband about mm -hmm. what happened. Can you tell me a little bit about that conversation? And, and I imagine it's... Um, it's really strengthened your relationship together. Yeah, you know, he was everything I needed him to be in that moment. And I think, you know, not to stereotype, but a typical guy kind of went through the emotions of, well, where is he? I want to kill him to, mm -hmm. you know, wanting to be supportive for me. And then it kind of opened his eyes too, because 
as my story came out, we kind of heard some other stories from people that we both know. And it put things in perspective because he has said, you know, I've just never realized how common it is. And that I think it's been a great conversation to have, truthfully. So you're the mom of a little boy. I'm curious, and I think about this too, as um, the mother of two boys, what I'm going to teach them going forward. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a conversation that won't happen for many years for me in particular, but, but how will I teach them to respect women? And how will I teach them um, about consent mm-hmm. and about um, appropriate behavior in relationships? I know that's so far down the road, but, but I, feel, I feel responsible for making sure he knows those things. And I know a lot of it is how he sees my husband and I interact, you know, to see the model of a good relationship. But um, I don't know. Have you thought about that as a survivor? I have. And, and for me, I, it's tough because, you know, he's too little to know and I don't want him to know. I don't know if I ever want him to know. Um, but I'm kind of stuck between that. I have to teach it to him, but I have to do it in a way where I'm not drilling it to scare him and be like, why is mom so passionate about this? Right. Um, but, you know, we've just started having the conversations with him that, you know, for him too, this is your body. No one is allowed to touch it except you. Mm-hmm. And the same for other people. Like you have to ask permission before you would touch somebody else. Or if somebody says, hey, I don't like that, even if it's just taking a toy from them, you know, we try to keep it simple. You don't do it. You yeah. have to respect, you know, people's space and privacy and, and their wishes. And, you know, for as much as a seven-year-old can understand that concept, he does a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it doesn't have to be the big mountain conversation. It can be these little, little things that they can understand at age seven. Exactly. Let's get back, um, back to your fitness journey. So, um, you talk a lot on Instagram about self-love and about how you feel about your body. So how would you say that you feel today? Where are you at in this, this journey of feeling how powerful you are? I feel really good. Um, for me, a lot of it was I needed to get out of my own obsessive compulsive mind. And I stopped weighing myself about a year ago Okay. because I was so worried about what that number on the scale said that I was totally ignoring the fact that, hey, I ran three miles today and I didn't stop something mm-hmm. I could never do before. Or, hey, I lifted heavier at the gym. So being able to focus instead of what I weigh and instead on, you know, what I'm able to accomplish fitness wise has just been a huge mindset and mind shift for me. So what was your workout today? What was the challenge? I didn't go today. I know, well, I'm supposed to, I'm going to run tonight. Yes, I'm sure you will. Yes. Yes. So um, do you, I mean, some days you set out and you say, I'm going to do three. And then other days you, you post about doing eight. So how, like, are you training for something in particular? How do you decide what you're doing that day? I kind of got conned into training for the half marathon <laughs> and I registered this weekend. So yes. I, know I think it's going to happen. In. Well, and now you've said it. So you're definitely I running know. the half marathon. I know people will be looking for me though. I know. Disguise or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been training for the half marathon. Um, so that kind of determines how far I'm running on what day. So I've been limiting my lifting to just twice per week and then trying to get at least four runs in each week. So, I mean, what's some advice that you would give to somebody who really hates running and who wants to like running, but also hates it and doesn't want to do it? Well, I mean, like, but, but, but like that, that's like so easy to say, how do I actually 
do it. So when I take four steps and I go, oh my God, I hate this so much, then what do I do? You have to keep going. If it's truly something that you want to do, you just have to find a way to get it done. Yeah. Because for me, I was the same way. I would take like the four steps or I'd get a half a block down and be like, well, that's far enough. I'm going home. Right. Um, But I really wanted to try. And so make yourself a good playlist. Give yourself like a reward at the end. If you accomplish, you know, however many feet, even if you don't want to talk about miles, like say I'm going to run two blocks tonight. And if I do that, I get to watch... I don't know, my favorite show on TV tonight. You have to kind of trick your mind a little bit into making it worth it. And then once you get used to it, you're golden. I knew you were going to say it was a mental game. I have no like mental toughness, I feel like. I know. You know? I No, I mean, I think you do. I just feel you. That was the same conversation that Chad and I had multiple times. And he's like, you can do it as I'm screaming. No, I can't. (laughs) He was right. You can do it. Um, the other thing that I think is cool that you're doing is you have an ebook. I do. It's called 10 Secrets to Personal Success and Happiness. In your post, you wrote, it's everything I've learned that's helped me find my own happiness and realize that, heck yeah, I deserve it, and ultimately led me to find my own personal success. The part that stands out to me is the heck yeah, I deserve it. It's almost like you have to say that to yourself first mm-hmm. before you go and get it, not after. I think, and maybe this circles back to the Taylor Swift song a little bit, Uh but I don't know now that I'm a mom and I'm totally guilty of putting this on myself. I can't blame anybody else, but me, I feel a lot of times in life, like my wants and my needs should come last because I have a family to take care of. I have a business that I'm trying to grow. I have responsibilities. So it's nice that I have a dream, but you know, we'll deal with that later. And once I learned to stop doing that, that I can make time for all of the things that are important to me is when I really started to see a difference, not in just, you know, what was coming to fruition a little bit, but in how I was living my daily life. And it's just made all the difference for me. So I don't want to spill everything that's in your book because we want people to go and read it for themselves. But what do you think are some major takeaways that you can get from it? Yeah, you have to really just stop caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. If that, if I had to say like the single most important thing I've learned in my life, and maybe people are listening saying, well, duh, of course you can't care what other people think. But you have to really like believe that and live it every day. Do not care what other people think, because if you spend your time worrying about their opinions, you will lock yourself in a box and you will not go anywhere. When's the last time you had to convince yourself that... Um you weren't going to listen to that negative internal voice in your head. For me, it's every time that I promote my podcast and I always go, people are going to be so irritated. Another post, she's posting again about this podcast. And every time I have to push those thoughts out of my head, like, no, this is your thing. And not everybody has to like it, but it's yours. Mm -hmm. I feel you every time I post a new blog or something personal, I have to remind myself doesn't matter. Like I'm being true to myself. I want to get this message out. And if people don't like it, they don't have to read it. Yeah, it's true. It's hundred percent true. Um, so the other thing I pulled off your blog, which I think is really fun is you posted a, should we call it like a calendar? Yeah. Okay. So you call it the 31 day self love challenge. And I'm excited because when I was scrolling through it, I've already done number one by yourself fresh flowers. I did it today at Costco. Costco has the best fresh flowers. I love having fresh flowers in the house. Abram picked out pink. He picked them out. So So yeah. 
Um, so tell me how this self-love challenge started. Where did you get the idea to do it? Um, it was more for me than anyone else. It was a reminder to myself to actually practice what I preach. Um, so my son plays baseball. And when I say he plays baseball, he lives baseball. So we were just coming off of our baseball season where I had spent the entire summer being an Uber driver to him, being a cheering mom at the baseball games, and again, kind of putting myself last, which yeah. I'm saying don't do. And so this was a way for me to be like, okay, what are simple things that I can do for myself one thing a day to remind myself that I'm worthy, that you know I'm right where I need to be, and that I'm important too. And so, I mean, they're just little things. They're simple, yeah. but they're easily doable. And I feel like so many people could just benefit from trying one or two. Okay. So let's see. Um, wear red lipstick. Mm -hmm. Have we done that this month? I did the other night. Have you? Um, yes. It's not technically red, but like bold. Yeah. Well, a yeah, bold like power like red, color. Just a yeah. bold color for sure. Okay. So write down 10 things you love about yourself and put that list somewhere you see it every day. That would be challenging. Did you do that one? I tried. I think I got to five and then I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. I had to walk away. I mean, I can think of 10, but then when you're put on the spot like mm -hmm. that, even if it's with yourself. Yeah. I don't think I could come up with 10. Should we try? Okay. I have to do it about myself? Yeah. Um, okay. Ready? One will be... Um, one will be... Um, yeah, this is going to get uncomfortable. It's like, do you see me? I'm squirming in my seat it's actually difficult. trying to do this. I don't like this. Why is it so difficult for us to say things that we like about ourselves? Well, I think because immediately my, my thought went to someone's going to think I'm a huge narcissist if I say something nice about myself. But you shouldn't care what other people think. See how it all kind of circles into each yeah. other? Okay. So number one, I'm, 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 I like that I... I like that I sit here and do this podcast. Um, I like that I like to talk. Um, I like that um, that I have two little boys who think their mom is pretty cool because I sing to them in the car all the time. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, God. All right. So we got to two. That's good, right? Go home. That's your homework. <laughs> and I want you to finish the list. That'll be my yeah. homework. Okay. I need to come up with 10. <sighs> okay. I'm going to need to spend more time on your ebook. Unapologetically confident. That's what, that's what I want you to be. Okay. And then I'll practice too because okay. I know it's like I can't do it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Instagram because I am... I'm fairly new to Instagram. I joined maybe two years ago and I don't have that many followers on it. But I mean, so would you describe yourself as an influencer? No, actually. You don't think so? No, I don't. And I don't really, I don't like the word. I don't know. I just feel like it feels very, it's not very authentic. Okay. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's me, but... I don't know. It's weird. Okay. Well, you have a lot of followers and you do like, you do quite a bit of like advertising on there. So you get like great traction. Yeah. What do you think's been the secret to your success on Instagram? I think just like being myself, because at first I thought that Instagram was a really great way for you to pretend to be somebody else. And you have this perfect life because mm -hmm. that's what you see. You scroll through these photos and everybody's house is so clean and their kids are so perfect. And it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to be like them. So I think like once I really just owned the fact that I'm this imperfect person, 
but I think I have a decent story to tell. I think that opened up a lot of doors. And for me, truthfully, I just love to write. That's my passion. And so I've gotten a lot of freelance writing jobs through that. That's where a lot of those brand collaborations have come from. And it's just been really fun. So you, um, I guess one thing I do want to circle back around to is, so you have this, this whole other chapter of your life with being a business owner and writer, but your first job was as a nurse. So, I mean, does that feel like a hundred years ago now? It does. It does. I mean, I don't know. I went to school for nursing. I have mm-hmm. a master's degree in healthcare administration. I worked for like 10 years in healthcare before I finally just said, let's take a break from that. So yeah. I haven't forgotten where I come from. Um, as far as the healthcare is concerned, I still keep up with all of that. I'm just kind of taking a break from it for right now. But. Yeah, but are you taking a break though? Because you are, um, you got a certification recently related to health and wellness. Tell me about I that. Did. So last year I decided to get certified in nutrition um, just because of my story and where I came from. Like food, I, I love food. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't want to go chow down on nachos when I leave here because mm-hmm. I do. I always do. But I thought I really need to understand a little bit more of the science behind nutrition so that I can understand the choices that I'm making and that I can be a resource for other people too. Because I love to write about health and wellness and and all of this stuff. So I wanted to seek that out. Um, And then actually this year, I am studying for my personal trainer cert. Oh, wow. Because I don't have enough to do. Yeah, no, seriously, you don't, clearly. So what does that all entail? What are you going to be doing? Um, yeah, I haven't 100% decided, um, but I know that whatever I do, I want it to kind of tie into my why. I just want to be there as a resource for women and people in general and show those people who hate running or hate exercising, mm-hmm. like, I understand. I've been there. I lost 70 pounds. I know that it's hard. You can do it. Whoa, 70 pounds? Mm-hmm. 70 pounds. Yeah. How long did that take? Um, you know, it was the course I lost actually 50 pounds before my husband and I got married. Okay. And then right after we got married, well, not long after we found out we were having Cooper, which was a pleasant surprise. And I gained 60 some pounds when I was pregnant, Okay. which that was fun in the middle of summer. If you can imagine. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, and then after I had him, I got back to exercising and I lost 70. So it was kind of an up and down over the course of a year or two. Well, a couple years. Well, anyone who hears that is going to want to know, okay, how, how do I do it? How do I do it? The secret, get ready for this to make me millions. It's going to blow your hair back. I know. (laughs) You just have to eat right and exercise. You have to burn more calories than you take in. And I mean, that's just it. That's it. It's not any more complicated than that, even though that is difficult. It is difficult. It's not easy to do. And I mean, definitely too, if if that's the way you're going, because it's the right way to go, you want to make sure you're eating enough. All too often people are like, well, I'm eating a thousand calories or I'm eating 1200 calories a day because I want to lose weight. No, you Mm -hmm. have to make it maintainable. So can I ask what you had for breakfast today? I can. So I took um, these like chicken sausage links and I cooked them with red, green and yellow peppers and onions. And then I rolled them up in a grain free tortilla and I had like a little burrito. Okay. See, that's like, that's like an Instagram breakfast. It was really good. You know? Like, that's the kind of breakfast I wouldn't even think to buy the items for, let alone make them. So, like, let me tell you what I've eaten today. <laughs> I had a cup of coffee with creamer in it. Okay. Then I had some chips and salsa, and I've also had a cupcake. <laughs> See, I would have rather <laughs> had those things for my meals today. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in front of you, seven months postpartum, and complaining about wanting to feel better in my clothes. And this is, this is how I eat. 
So what do I do other than stop doing that? Well, you don't even have to stop doing that. There's really, (laughs) it's all about balance. So I say, eat your cupcakes, never give up your chips and salsa because that's like the best thing on earth. But I don't know, just maybe add some (laughs) vegetables in there throughout the day. I wish people could see how horrified your face was. No, it's not (laughs) horrified at all. Um, and guess what? I have a muffin at my desk. Oh my god! And a I diet love coke. Muffins. There's, you know what? <sighs> you do you. <laughs> I know, I know, and I do. I would say I have really great eating days, mm-hmm. and then I have like a day like today where I ran to Costco and ran the kids around, and then hurried up to come in here, and I'm painting a bathroom, and then that's how you end up eating chips and salsa standing up at your counter because you're like, I gotta eat some. You know what? Everybody has days like that, though. Like, we've talked so much about chips and salsa. I really think I'm going to have nachos tonight, and I'm well, not going to be sorry you know, about it. And I don't think you should be sorry. <laughs> Why don't we... We talked about so many cool projects that you're doing, so let's make sure everybody knows where to find you. So let's start. Um, NatashaFunderburg.com. Yes. That's your website. Correct. And then the boutique. HarperAndSky.com. And how can people reach you on Instagram? You can reach me at Tosh Funderburg, which good luck spelling that. Maybe we can put that in the comments. <laughs> yeah, below we'll put or it in something. the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're on Instagram, Harper and Sky Boutique. So check out Harper and Sky. Read some of her blog posts. I guarantee you will walk away feeling just a little bit more uplifted. And if anything else, you will you will maybe start training your mind to think differently about yourself. Um so Keep doing you. Keep eating burritos in the morning time. Always. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for opening up about your fitness journey and what kicked it all off. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network.